Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Chase, and I'm here with my co-host, Lily. Hello. We are a supernatural horror podcast where we attempt to scare each other, often with the help of a drink or two, because if you're like us, <laughs> scary stories help us forget the stresses of our week. Uh, so cheers to all of you joining us today. Uh, today is part two of... My story. Of Yeah, last week's story. So yeah. if you haven't heard part one, I do recommend you go back to it, because it's going to jump kind of into the middle. Right. Yes, so my story is, like you said, it was a two-parter, and it is a continuation of the Battersea Poltergeist. I'm going to do a little bit of a recap, because... Absolutely. You know what I mean? I know there's people that are listening to it, like, once a week kind of thing. They're up to date, so... Well, that's that's me, though. We recorded this a week ago, and I promised not to look into it, despite the fact that I was super excited, so (laughs) I need a recap. So do it for me. Okay, so here's your recap, and everyone else. So I do want to say I want to give a big, big credit to the Battersea Poltergeist podcast. I think I mentioned this in the first episode, but I will be continuing uh, using it as a source for this episode. Uh, It's hosted by Danny Robbins, who is pretty cool and super obsessed with the story as well, which is pretty amazing. And the story itself took place in 1956 on a street called 36 Wycliffe Road in Battersea, uh, South London. And it happened to a 15-year-old girl named Shirley Hitchings and her family that were tormented by this poltergeist that they ended up calling Donald. After Donald Duck, right? After Donald Duck because of the tantrums that he uh, had or whatever. Yeah. Um, It all started with a mysterious key that Shirley found on her pillow in her bed. That's when the loud banging and knocking on the wall started to occur almost every single night. Uh, Pants flying about, slippers walking on their own. Uh, Just to name a few things. The media got involved and they made it really creepy because they basically sexualized a poor 15-year-old girl and her lover, Poltergeist. Yeah, they asked the Poltergeist questions and the replies were that he was in love with her. That he was like in love, right, because then they started communicating with them, exactly. Uh, There was a paranormal investigator that has been involved, whose name is Charles Chibbett, and we call him Chib for short. Old Chib. Old Chib. Uh, he stepped into the family's life to help, and so did, unfortunately, a lot of other people that ended up taking advantage of the family. And so we went into those details last episode. Chib and the family began communicating, like you said, and Donald began answering with knocking noises. So one for yet, no wait, one for no, two for yes. Uh, we left off when Shirley's parents' bed caught on fire, and the father. Uh, Wally was injured. Uh, He had a bad burn on his arm. And they later discovered that there were three scratch marks in the middle of the burn site. So that's where we left off. And uh, right before that, because this was one of the most interesting things to me, they attempted a seance slash exorcism that got interrupted by the police. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is not... and, and, And Donald stopped bothering them right after that mm-hmm. but then he came back with a vengeance and then the, right. and that's when the and then that's when the fire, fire happens right uh that was a big thing that's kind of um yeah just one of the people that stepped in pretending to be helping them but really it was for some other motive you know to like take advantage of the situation Absolutely. make money blah 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 so yeah that is all in the first episode and much more detail if you guys are interested and also for your sake because it's going to be very confusing for the rest yeah, right, of the episode right. um so There was an article, this is new stuff, by the way, there was an article in the Southwestern Star newspaper that talked about the fire, and it included an interview with an insurance agent that investigated the fire. 
so after the guy was done with the inspection slash investigation, he went to his home like normal. And then not long after, he began hearing loud banging sounds coming from the walls. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was the only uh, that one night that he heard the noise. So I don't think it was like a prolonged now Mm. that it wasn't like Donald was passed on or anything. But yeah, so there was like almost residual haunting, if you want to think about it that way. However, there is a theory that may explain what is happening here. So this is like the first time in this episode I'm going to be really going into theories. Don't to, don't tell me it's like pipes in the wall. No, no. So, I mean, that is kind of one, but that's not really what's happening or what I'm going to talk about. Um, so, yeah, in this episode I'll be doing a lot more theories as I discuss okay. along. So that way we're kind of gearing up to figure out what's going on here sure and in this instance this is one that a lot of people thought well maybe because since the inspector who has absolutely nothing to do with this family went home and he started hearing weird things too um and that theory is mold black mold wait what okay here we go (laughs) don't don't abandon me um one of uh the most common culprits being black mold which can grow rampant in homes Black mold is a neurotoxin, which means it causes neurological symptoms like dizziness, mood swings, anxiety, depression, numbness, insomnia, hallucinations, and seizures. I mean, it also causes a whole bunch of physical problems, but uh, for this, we're just talking about the brain. Um, So if it was mold, then it can explain why people that have been in the house have lingering hauntings when they leave because they're experiencing some sort of hallucination. And based on suggestion and all that stuff, it could possibly make them feel like if they're going to have a hallucination, now it's going to be about that. Okay. Kind of a weak theory considering all the other things that have been occurring. I'd say the reason that is weak to me is you'd have investigators who were just there for a short time. Right. And they were hearing the knocks too. Yeah. So unless that unless it's the mold along with a ploy to make noises and all this stuff that seems so it could be a combination of things. But this one it was apparently like one that was incredibly damning for a lot of them. They're like or skeptics. They're just saying this is it. Like I bet it's just mold and they're hallucinating. I mean they're just so convinced that the extremities of what had occurred aren't even as fact. So it probably allows them to believe it more. Mm -hmm. But if in fact all these things have happened and you believe. Uh, like tons and tons of witnesses that have been there then it's not going to be the mold well that's a the mold is similar theory that's pretty dominant with uh the salem witch trials there's this whole chain of thought that there was a particular mold that was growing on the weed at the time that's known to have hallucinogenic properties and when they were doing excavations in the area they were finding traces of this mold on old wheat that they were finding in the archaeological record Mm -hmm. and they were like well maybe a bunch of people were having you know itchy skin and hallucinations and they were guided by this fear of witches and everyone was kind of having it's why the stories didn't quite sync up but they were about the same thing i mean like yeah it's a whole combination of things which isn't like completely out of the realm and there have been uh, cases that have been solved, cases, I say, yeah. like other hauntings that have been solved and discovered it was mold because once they got rid of the mold, the people no longer felt paranoid in their house. Mm. Like people were watching them, hearing things, you know what I mean? Like they're more subtle haunting stuff. Absolutely. Um, so I'm not I'm not opposed to the idea of them saying mold might have been causing yeah. uh, some hallucinations with the family. I just 
there's so many things that happen when other outsiders like they're yeah. not going to start hallucinating within a day. Um, the guy who stayed in their kitchen for a while, he he would have been there long enough. But oh, he stayed in the in their kitchen like for years, or like in their house, and not yeah. just the kitchen, but you know, I think they probably accommodated for him a little more over the years. But yeah, yeah uh, Chib, you mean? Yeah. So I think it it would require that there would have to be some ploy with multiple people making a hoax. In addition to what they're saying, like, we have to make everyone believe us, so they were taking it to an 11. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So, honestly, it just kind of reminded me of when we were in Italy, and we were experiencing, like, mold, just side effects. It was affecting us, and we didn't even know. Our apartment in Florence had (laughs) a mold issue, and it wasn't right when we moved in. No. Uh, What we didn't realize is that even even the landlord kind of told us that kind of needed to wipe down a lot of areas in in there, because, like, the walls would... It was such an old building. And yeah, he said, this is just the way it is. would come right. through the walls from the old buildings, like into the yeah. new drywall and everything. And this thin, white, fuzzy mold would start growing. And since the walls were painted gray, you couldn't see it until you got up close to it. Right. And we noticed it really close to when we were moving out. Yeah. And the last couple weeks, you and me were feeling very... Um, tired our eyes were hurting and they were itchy i i was having well you and i were just like in really weird moods and our eyes we want to keep them closed all the time like having our eyes open was not easy yeah it was really tiring but then we'd go to bed and we couldn't sleep we'd sleep i mean no joke like two three hours a night tossing and turning yeah and it wasn't until like and we wouldn't even want to leave we wouldn't want to do anything and then sometimes we forced ourselves to leave the house and if we'd be out of the house for like three hours we all felt of a sudden great we started feeling like a million dollars yeah and that's when we started noticing the mold because i can't remember even what it was we just started noticing because it, it, it was, was very like subtle white, at first it was kind of white mold. i don't know what the hell kind of mold it was i mean obviously yeah it was so. pretty it was pretty bad yeah and uh I, we started cleaning it as much as we could to help it out and we started opening up the windows which meant all the mosquitoes were coming in because they don't have mosquito netting on windows out there um (laughs) but anyway it was just like one of those things that i'm like it's not out of control and if they're living there years and years i don't know yeah it affected our lives yeah viciously exactly so one theory one one of many perhaps that is a contributing factor yeah the more i think about it it doesn't bother me very much i actually i'm like okay there's something here yeah exactly i mean did the house have noticeable mold in it uh, not that I know of. I mean, it wouldn't have been something maybe they would have known either. Because I'm wondering if this is like, for any of you that saw the second Conjuring movie, the house that they were, all the people were staying in was like noticeably That looked like a moldy. Up. I wouldn't doubt it because like I said, they were in a kind of more working class neighborhood. So they weren't like the nicest, most upkept houses yeah. in London. You know what I mean? So, um, so, okay. So there's that. However, uh, like I said, it's not going to explain any, everything. Sure. Because uh, there was an interview for Shirley that they requested from the BBC Highlights program that used to air at 7 p.m. And it was hosted by a guy named Arthur Clifford uh, Mitchellmore. Mitchellmore was a famous reporter that covered things like the moon landing and JFK's assassination. So he was kind of like an important person. He was brought in for big stories. Oh, right. He brought in big stories. And now he was bringing in Shirley. Okay. Is it just because it was so mega news and it was on everyone's mind or is it because he actually considered this a big story i think it's because everyone at this point had caught wind of it and like Mm -hmm. it was just a big story and he covers all big stories and just kind of fit into the criteria uh when shirley arrived at the studio her and her dad were waiting in the in the green room and it didn't take long until donald started to bang on the walls 
Eventually, the producers, and I think Mitchell Moore was also included, uh, came into the green room to introduce themselves. They, of course, began to hear tapping sounds coming from the tables around them. I actually tried to look up information or, like, anything beyond that, but there really wasn't anything. I thought maybe there would even be a clip of the audio of the interview itself, but as I learned, um, unfortunately, at the time, they would re-record things on top of old tapes. Sure. So eventually, it disappeared and because they reused those tapes Okay. Um, and, and didn't archive them in any yeah. other fashion. So, bummer. <laughs> There's no way of really knowing anything else. But the fact that she was on that show and that the people um, there had reported things occurring mm. you know i think that's interesting because they they have not even been in the house Absolutely. there's no mold unless there's mold literally on their clothes and she's like rubbing against their faces i just don't know how Absolutely. this could occur um anyway so another reporter came in chib had decided uh to invite one when he thought that this person would be in their favor and this person was joyce lewis she was one of the original reporters from the first episode if you remember mm-hmm. uh like the first time that they decided to talk to the media and uh they brought it in because she was like the nicest one she seemed like the one that might have actually believed Shirley the most sure and they thought this is again to their advantage and maybe they can get a good a good article out there um so uh joyce agreed but under the conditions that her boyfriend joined them Shirley and Joyce would share a bed that night, and she also did a few other things to ensure that Shirley wasn't playing any tricks. Like, she made Shirley put her legs between, like, her legs, you know, so she can, like, lock them. Okay. And then they would hold hands kind of thing. So, it was kind of like so she can feel if Shirley was moving or or snapping her fingers, just anything, you know? Well, these are her accounts, Joyce's accounts. At midnight, she started to hear tapping sounds coming from under the bed. Mm. The room became incredibly cold, and then the sheets were pulled off. She began to hear scratching coming from all parts of the room, and then it would seem to go quiet for a while. By 1 a.m., Joyce said that she could smell something burning. Mm. But upon checking the room, there was nothing. She had her boyfriend uh, like stay right outside the door, and she asked him, so like, uh, come on, come in. You know, I think there's something burning. You need to help me figure it out. So he does, but they can't find anything. In fact, he couldn't smell the burning. Oh, so he's like, okay. So, so right. he was not, but he, he came in like true skeptic. He's like, I don't believe any of this is like, this is BS. Um, so he didn't smell anything. I don't know. At 2.30 AM. Now this is a direct quote from her article. Joy says, I am startled to feel Shirley's arms slowly go out of the bed. I pull frantically, but the force pulling her is too powerful for me. When the girl awakes, shuddering, she is halfway out of the bed, end quote. So she also saw and tried to pull. She saw her being pulled out. Pulled and tried to pull back, but there was a great force. You know, she thought Shirley is a tiny 15-year-old skinny girl. And Joyce, I'm not saying she's probably a big girl, but she's older. I'm sure she can take her. And there's no way she could have. Unless she's got her that well. hidden crazy person. The cra- <laughs> crazy. Uh, yeah, maybe she's like on drugs. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she's hopped up on them lewds, yeah. man. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, there was a neighbor's account. This was just kind of a random story I found um, where uh, she actually visited the house quite often, she said. And I didn't get a name, by the way. It was anonymous. But she did say that when she was at the house, she saw a blanket rise in the air where people were over the house, like her family and everything. 
like there were multiple people and when they saw the blanket come go up in the air it took four men to bring it back down Mm. and yeah and they would often hear uh, noises coming from the house even from the street so it was that loud confirming kind of thing so that's just a random story there um so so if if you're like let's say you're guy number four yeah (laughs) you see three guys pulling down on a floating blanket and it's not coming down and you think i'm the guy it's like i can do this because my thought would be holy shit a floating blanket <laughs> i'm not touching that it's like it's gonna take all of us down but guy four like, is like i'll be able to do it maybe and, and then the other three guys when the blanket finally comes down they're like we loosen the lid for you bro yeah <laughs> it's like it wasn't you it was like it was already <laughs> loose enough um yeah so that's just like more stories from people all around the communications started to get more elaborate uh, after the fire incident that I talked about earlier, this really propelled the family and Chib to try more communication methods with Donald. They're trying to figure out why he's there, what's going on. Like you're starting to shit, you know, set shit on fire now. What's what's happening here, man? So Chib and Shirley would spend a long time trying to teach Donald how to use the alphabet cards. Okay, this is somewhat similar to the Ouija board, uh, except Chib would lay out cards, each one with an al- with a letter ask Donald a question, and then he'd hover his hand over the cards, and Donald would knock when they reached the correct letter to spell out things. Donald would answer um, only easy questions, but it didn't take long until things started to escalate, which is not surprising when you're talking about, like, the paranormal. Once Mm. you start communicating, I mean, really, that's just intensifying. The connection is supposed to get stronger. Exactly. It's just going to get worse. Because Donald began to write notes. Wait, yes. Like how? You <laughs> well, mean you mean using the the same letter combination or like he was leaving stuff on the walls? Uh, we're going to get into that. So within 3 weeks of attempting to communicate, uh, just with the letters like you said, Donald took Chib's notebook and wrote in it. Like Chib opened the notebook at some point and realized that Donald had written inside of it. It said, "Quote, surely I come." End quote. You can see uh this these images actually online. But it was officially posted on the BBC website by the creator of the Battersea podcast because he has all of Chib's old documents. And in the picture, you can see below it, Chib noting that the event took place at 1.15 a.m. March 22nd, 1956. Now, this uh, was only the beginning because then he started to write on the walls. Mm. Yes. In another picture, uh, same kind of website, you can see that the markings are drawn what looks like a black marker, but later I found out that it was actually black metal polisher for the fireplace that he used, but it's just like these giant markings all over the wall. Among those markings was a Florida lease, and Donald would also draw crosses on the parents' headboard and other messages on the ceiling and walls. So these are difficult places to get to as well mm. that he's doing. On March 27th, using the cards again, Donald gave the message Drury Lane and the year 1720. He also spells, spelled out a bunch of people's names who no one recognized. And to this, Chib took as clues as to who he was. And so he went to the library to investigate and did just research. He did. Ah. Yes. He discovered that there was an old article newspaper covering a play that was performing at the Theatre Royale Drury Lane, which is a theater located in London. 
So isn't Drury Lane where the Muffin Man is? I don't. <laughs> I don't you know. Like Shrek, you know the Muffin Man, the one on Drury Lane. <laughs> no. All right. Sorry. I don't remember that movie very well. So far, I'm thinking about the Muffin Man. All right. Keep okay. going about well, the play. The Muffin Man. Okay. Um. So. It turned out that the actors mentioned in the article was also matched the names that Donald provided. So they were all in the same article as well. Uh, through more communication, Donald revealed, or rather discovered, that Donald was French. And that, that I guess, ties in with the Florida lease that he'd sometimes draw on the walls. Um, yeah. It's going to get a little wild, so here we go. Months later, <laughs> Donald writes and claims... That he was Louis the Seventeenth from France. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> okay, so we we're definitely taking steps away from plausible and or scary. It's getting it gets wild. I mean, right? It stops getting kind of scary because you're just um, ripped out of disbelief, like into disbelief. It's just I can't believe it now. I'm just imagining like the one guy who does believe this. Like he just looks up, he's oh. like Louis, and then he's just like. <gasps> A it's king. And you're just like, dude, <laughs> dude, no. Uh, that man would be Chib. He yeah. totally, he totally believes him. Um, <laughs> oh man, which is so sad because I like, I love this little man. Like, it's just like an old man, like who just is obsessed with the paranormal and trying to help this family. And he's like Louis the fifth, the seventeenth. What? Um, I wonder what his zodiac sign is because my guess is a gullible. <laughs> yeah. The. The secret sign. <laughs> um, for those who might not know, Louis the Seventeenth was son of Marie Antoinette and, of course, Louis the Sixteenth, who was murdered at the beginning of the French Revolutionary War. I think he was only ten at the time. And uh, oh, I'm gonna guess. I guess if we're going with this, if we're if we're, if we're giving this a moment's consideration, it would right. explain his temper tantrums and youthful his demeanor. youthful demeanor exactly. and love of a young girl, right? So that is what he claimed to be. Um, yeah. I mean, okay, so there was still that date that he couldn't quite fit into the article because remember that he saw the actors' names and matched the names, sure. the Drury Lane thing. And then 1720 doesn't match because, well, at least not when this would have occurred because Louis the Seventeenth was born uh, 1785. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. Because the French Revolution, yeah, that's right. the French Revolution was... Early... Or super late 1700s, early, early 19th century. Yeah. yeah, 19th century. So yeah, um, so that doesn't match, and we don't still know what that meant. Uh, anyway, the writings never stopped. Donald continued to write crazy things, but the worst part was when he began to give demands, like Shirley should dress like this, oh. uh huh, and the family should do that, like just random things, and whenever. They denied him these things or surely started thinking about getting a job. You know what I mean? Like just not complying. Donald would become enraged. He would start to destroy or throw furniture around, plates, rip curtains and wallpaper, rip clothing, uh, basically anything in sight. I mean, truly, I'm sorry, a fucking asshole. Like he's true, like temper controlling tantrum. temper tantrums. Exactly. Um, there was an incident where Donald got all of Shirley's dolls that were stored in the trunk in the attic and then brought them downstairs. And of course, uh, when he did that, all their heads would be torn off and their clothes would be shredded. And then he would leave a note for Shirley saying, now make dresses out of these shredded garbs. I'm like, 
Ew, no. So, <laughs> so he's just like unbearable in my head, but you know. I mean, to assume that a cognizant poltergeist was mentally stable. Right. I guess that's that's on me. <laughs> I just assumed, and then all of a sudden when I hear that a poltergeist might be loony, I'm Insane. like, why do I freak out? I'm like, well, why did you think it was going to be normal? Why did we assume that this person was not going to be annoying or like this entity? <laughs> I have no idea. What a pleasant poltergeist. Yeah. <laughs> Cooking dinners? Charming. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, he'll just throw the pan at your head. So things seem like things were getting crazy, obviously. But then Shiv finds... Something that made him, for a brief moment, question everything. Mm. In a Times Magazine article that he found, again, in the library, I believe. No, not in the library. Someone brought this to his attention. Okay. Uh, It talked about a TV play that was performing at the Theater Royal uh, Drury Lane. And it included the names of the actors that Donald had previously talked about. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. In addition, the article was published on March 27th the same day that the incident occurred, that he wrote those names. This information would be uh, would have been accessible to Shirley and her family. Oh, so starting to sound like fake. A little bit, right. So here comes another theory. So we go back to the letters that Donald wrote from the Battersea podcast, brought a letter that was written by Shirley and a letter that was written by Donald to be analyzed by a handwriting specialist. Uh, here were the results. The specialist reports that although there were slight differences, she believed that they were from the same person. According to her, there are not enough distinct characteristics that are uh, unique to the individual. And in this case, it had plenty of similarities. Now, I don't know how much, I don't know much about writing comparison, obviously, except whatever I hear on Forensic Files show that I love. But it is considered to be a reliable source of evidence Absolutely. in general, like in court oh, yeah, or not. We actually, I took a forensic anthropology class right. and we did weeks on handwriting analysis and yeah. it was impressive. It's a impressive. really in-depth yeah. field, I mean, indeed. So each person does have a very distinct style. As I learned, when Shirley was confronted by this information, she was shocked and she stuck to her guns. She said that, no, I did not write those letters. Um, I have no idea what's going on. And in fairness to her, because she would say, I don't even know when I would have time. The letters that Donald had written is estimated to have been three to 4,000 messages over the, t- over the course. Now, I'm not saying that's a ton if you really think about it, I guess. But sometimes these things would appear when she wasn't in the house or at other places, too. So it would have been really bizarre for Shirley to be able to get these things out. I mean, wouldn't she have a lot of time in school? I mean, she... I did a lot of drawings in school. Maybe some people scribbled crazy poltergeist I don't think she was in school anymore, so maybe, yeah, that's why. She didn't have a job either. So, all this happening, unfortunately, Chip was a little, like, skeptic, but then he saw other things that kind of brought him back to a believer. So, this is how this story really feels like it's flowing now. It's, like, things that you just have no idea could occur and then you get like a little bit and and then you get a question but then something else crazy happens so here we go because of all the crazy the family did start to get accustomed to donald despite all of that and in fact they started seeing him kind of like part of their lives that's i know i know like they would consider him kind of like a roommate i guess yeah i was like they can't say like one of the family because no 
I wouldn't think so. <laughs> That's our shitty roommate, Donald. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it got to the point where they would watch TV together as a family, and Donald would chime in with Knox when he was pleased or write something uh, on a wall or like on a piece of paper when he wanted to know more information about an actor or or something. Man, with my luck, if we had the Donald Poltergeist, anytime one of those annoying insurance ads comes up, he'd be all like, yay, this is great. I'd be like, of course, Donald, you would love the insurance I'd be like, ads. You are evil. Nobody loves the insurance ads. Uh, so, again, this is going to get a little weird again. Uh, Donald became obsessed with a male actor mm. named, yeah, Jeremy Spencer, who would have been 19 at the time. He also demanded that the family get in contact with him because if they didn't, he was going to have an accident and die very soon. After hearing this, Ethel had enough. Like, Ethel is the grandmother, by the way, if you forgot. She was fed up and she started yelling at the family and at Donald saying, I can't believe people are complying and acting like this is a real person. So she's finally, in my opinion, like... Thank you. I hope they didn't contact the actor. Can you imagine people saying like, uh, "Sir, we need a to talk polter- to you because there's a there's a demonic presence in our house, and it demanded we got in contact with you, or you could die." Right. I'd been like, uh, "Can we get the cops here right well, now?" The only person that thought it was a demon was Ethel. So she. I is, think it's a demon. If it's so, real, it's a demon. Yeah. So she was like, "No, I'm convinced this is the devil or a demon. I don't like Donald." And uh, unfortunately, Donald retaliated. By writing rude messages about her and basically making fun of her all the time. That was just the beginning as well. But anyway, this is all kind of happening at the same time. So that's why I'm bringing it all together. Okay. Uh, So again, the crazy thing that happened. Not long after, Donald had written about this actor guy saying, please contact him or else something will happen to him. Jeremy Spencer was in fact in a car accident and was rushed to the hospital. He didn't suffer any injuries, but and he was okay. But at the same time, you can't help if Donald predicted the future or did he cause this. Oh, yeah, so, but he didn't die. He didn't die. Okay, and so he, people so, get in car accidents. Right. And also, I looked this up. I don't think I read it anywhere, but it just like popped in my head about James Dean. And I'm like, didn't that guy die like in the same time? He died in a car accident. He too. died a year before in okay. 1955. Yeah. So if you're going with a theory that the family members are in on this and like it's all a hoax or whatever then predicting another young actor getting in a car accident would have been more, I don't know, uh, more to the feels of people. Like, people would have been like, oh, just like James Dean Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, it would have invoked something in in people. Now, him actually getting in a car accident, super, super crazy coincidence or what? We don't know. That's true. Um, And it's really tricky when you talk about things like car accidents in relation to something like a haunting because car accidents are just a really unfortunate regular occurrence in the mm-hmm. world and you can only imagine and you know i am i'm not trying to point fingers but you can just imagine if you're young and you gain fame and you're right. living high on life on it and cars aren't particularly safe yeah the likelihood of you being you know really excited and being fast on the road those chances increase and if an accident happens yeah and i don't know i couldn't get a lot of information from this guy like i didn't know if he had like a reputation of being reckless or whatever i mean he's 19 he has a car i don't know but famous teenage boy actor drives fast in a car is not a news story exactly so again a kind of a crazy coincidence but this did happen yeah okay so this kind of brings me to the next theory 
that a lot of people have. Again, still, uh, this is the theory that is still kind of paranormal, but here we go. That Donald is Shirley, or that Shirley is Donald, however you want to look at it. Like there's no actual separation of the entity, but rather an extension of Shirley. Okay. Sort of like uh, having, okay, so two ways. Either having the power of uh, psychokinesis or telekinesis, but unable to control it. Or something similar to what I had kind of covered before, which is the doppelganger. Yeah, oh, the doppelganger. Yeah. So it's not like actually manifesting into a physical form the way we, we heard in the other stories, but in a more like supernatural way still. You know what I mean? So who knows? Uh, that is still like a supernatural theory, but a theory indeed that it was never, you know, Louis the Seventeenth or like whoever that donald claims to be i mean i kind of like this theory or at least that maybe she's a little bit bonkers because <laughs> the the inaccuracy of the dates and everything does sound like a 15 year old's grasp right. of history it's like <laughs> i know it was like 17 something it was 1720 like, it was like a long time ago because they like, were <laughs> you know it was like a million years ago um <laughs> back when those crazy americans rebelled right and so <laughs> Well, this is a French Revolutionary War. No, I know, I know. Oh, but they were right around the same time. Oh, sure, sure. Okay. Um, so yeah, that is one theory. Who knows? And because I don't know if if this is even fitting into it, but again, not long after the family began to get targeted even more, as if it could. Ethel, Shirley's grandmother, was attacked physically multiple times. She would be uh, hit by things and pushed downstairs. The parents would be also attacked. They'd discover that their bed would be caked with rat poisoning or drenched in alcohol. It got to the point where the parents, when they went to bed, they were fully clothed because they had to be prepared for anything. So they couldn't even rest in their own house. I don't know. It's too intense for me. One night, the family was woken up. I choose up. homelessness. I, just, <laughs> I choose death. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I... It, you know, honestly, like, I think I would have gotten so insane that I don't know if... I think I would have just walked... But, like, kept walking. Like, I don't know where I'm going, but it has to be not here. And I'm leaving. What if you just ask friends to couch surf for a little while, and then you start airbnb your house out as a haunted stay? Oh, my gosh. Start racking in the money, then go live somewhere <laughs> else while you rent out your haunted place. Donald will just follow, you know. <laughs> so, one night, the family was woken up again in the middle of the night because they heard loud noises coming from the main room. When they got there, they saw objects floating all around them. Then they started to hear a voice mm. of an Irish woman. Okay. Yes, I don't know. They realized that the voice was coming from the corner of a room, and then the voice revealed that her name was Sarah and that she had a message. The grandmother was the one that was most visibly upset of the whole thing, and it was also clear that, that she might have known who it was. Like It just was more intense for her. So anyway, when Shirley asked her dad about it, he said that Sarah was her mother's name. So her, Shirley's great-grandmother. So Ethel was so disturbed by this that she stayed in her room for days and would rarely come out. So it's also kind of assumed that maybe the message was received, but only by Ethel. She wouldn't even talk about it. Not long after, Ethel unfortunately had a stroke. She lived uh, for a few days after, but eventually passed away in October. According to the parapsychologist expert that was on that other podcast I talk about, she said that hearing a voice was the last form or stage of a poltergeist. So this is like, he's basically given all his tricks now. 
Oh, okay. I thought you meant it was like he has now achieved his final form. <laughs> like this, he is now at full power. Well, kind but of. you mean like oh, and and full power. Like he's unlocked basically everything that he might be able to do. But there's nothing else he can do. But he, right, so I mean, he could get more violent again. He could actually. But everything end he's up, done, it that's this is the his level skill set. right. Right. All right. So now I don't like. There's not going to be probably a physical form coming at him. Like you know, he's not going to turn into a man or something. But I guess an Irish woman's fine. When <laughs> <laughs> and for my last trick, I'm going to do an Irish accent and give a poor old woman a stroke. I know. And uh. she's like the only one I like the whole time. She's like, "This is the devil. Why are you talking to him?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Just like Can ignore we, it. Why respect your elders? Respect. Kids. This is listen to this woman. This is where it came from. So now, like all, like I said, since these are all the tricks in his, in his bag, kind of thing, uh, more or less, all this still happened. Now, eventually, over the years, or not even just the years, after a year of this, the media basically had stopped paying attention to Shirley mm. and her poltergeist, and everyone started just kind of getting used to it in the neighborhood. Okay. It was kind of like, I guess this happens to you. I I don't know, and no one really cared, but it still happened. So again. If it was for attention or for money, it no longer is. Okay. But it continued for 12 years. So that almost the entire story that I told wait, you wait, about. Wait, wait, wait. They lived there with this for 12 years? They they lived there for almost 12 years, but at one point, Shirley does move out. So I'll get to that. So in 1965, Shirley met a guy named Derek. Uh, they fell in love and got married. She moved to Bogner Regis, I think that's what you call it, okay. in West Sussex. And had two children. So, obviously, the children came much later. But for the first few years of marriage, Donald still followed Shirley. So, he followed her to her new house. So, did did the stuff at the original house stop? No. Because Donald would often visit both homes. (laughs) (laughs) Donald's got to split his haunting up amongst two places. Oh, that must have been hard for him. Uh, Right. So, he... So busy. He had a commute now, and it was just really annoying. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Move back closer to home. I'm sick of the travel. Yeah. So Donald would actually end up writing messages back and forth. He would say things about what their her family. So like if he wrote a note to Shirley, he'd be like updating her on what the family was up to. And then when the, the other family members received a letter, he would tell them what Shirley was up to. But not like in a nice way either. Like sometimes I think <laughs> she, at one point she said that he was basically a snitch. So I don't know what he wrote, but... It was not cute. She's totally having premarital sex. Just saying. (laughs) But she was already married. (laughs) So I don't even know what he's saying. Crazy bastard. Okay. In 1968, Donald finally left a message to her parents saying that he was leaving and wrote his final message that said, quote, goodbye. Shirley, of course, was relieved. However, not everyone felt the same way. Shirley recalled seeing her mother mourning over the loss of Donald. She'd even wear black and, would, and wouldn't and would stop crying. Like, her father had no idea what to do about it. And, yeah, this went on for a while. She like, This is disturbing. It's very disturbing. And so, aside from the mom, I think she was the only one who really was feeling this way because Shirley accounts was that her and her dad were dancing around the room super relieved that this was all over he's gone yeah he's gone and he has left their life um i think the guy from the podcast said this is like stockholm's poltergeist level like it's just stockholm syndrome you know and 
Like, it's I guess that's what sad. you get for tolerating this for 12 years. Tolerating, unable to control it. I mean, is it really tolerating when it follows you? I don't know. You don't have a choice, I think. I mean, the house I grew up in, I lived in for over 12 years. But yeah. ever since I moved out, I've never lived anywhere that long. So, right, I mean, that's true. Yeah. That's bizarre to me. I mean, it's easy for us to move, maybe, but maybe it wouldn't have been so easy. No, and, and I don't mean to downplay that. I can understand times are difficult and everything, but this is an extraneous circumstance. You it know? is. Yeah. So just kind of like cinch things up. Um, remember that key from the beginning of the story? Oh, finally, we're getting back to the key. All I thought about <laughs> is this goddamn key. Well, you're going to probably be so somewhat disappointed. Um, when Donald left, the key also disappeared. Ah, damn it. We don't know what happened. Like, what it was or, like, why they even had it. This is some bullshit. Right. I wanted to open something. I don't know out what. Of, it didn't even have to be anything important. Out of 4,000 messages, Donald couldn't let us know what the fuck the key it's was for. the key, dude. <laughs> that, I think if I was her, I would just ask it one question over and over. That, that's all you say. What's the key? He, he, Where's the key? What he, is the key? He uses his poltergeist speaking voice, and you're just like, I don't care. What's the key for? <laughs> What's, the, What's key the key for? for? I ain't talking to you. Tell me, tell me what the key is Destroy for. Destroy the house. I don't care. What's the key for? <laughs> I'll throw it into a river, you bastard. <laughs> okay, uh, I already hated Donald, but now... Now I'm mad. Now I hope bad things happen to Donald. Burning a guy's arm? Whatever. Now I'm mad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the key! But the key! So, um, there was one last occurrence, actually. Oh, post him saying post peace? Post him saying peace. But... Okay, so let me just tell you so you can know what I mean. In the late 1980s, Shirley and her husband had already had her kids and were living in England in that one town that I told you about. And Shirley was in some, not club, like dance club, but like a like a communal club kind of thing. And one of the members approached her and asked, did you know I'm a medium? And Shirley was like, no. And in fact, before that, Shirley hadn't even talked to her before. So she was like, what the fuck? I, so <laughs> I think it's really funny. That, like, if someone walked up to me and says, do you know I'm a medium? I'd be like, good for you. What do you call me, fat? <laughs> My first thought isn't like psychic. I'm like, what do you call me, an extra large and you're yeah. a medium? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, a, I'm a large. I don't know. What you yeah, know. like, I swear if someone walks up to me and says they're a medium, my first thought is sizes. It's not that they can speak to the They're dead. like flexing how cute they are. I'm like, what the hell? Uh, I used to be large, now I'm a medium. <laughs> Shooting for the small. Exactly. Rude. Uh, but no, she meant the other medium. Uh, so anyway, Shirley again was like really weirded out by this and she told her no. And the medium went on and said, and asked Shirley if she had a little brother. And Shirley again said, no, why do you ask? The stranger continued to say, well, there's a little boy that I sometimes see following you. He's dressed in fancy clothes and blue satin with lace, and he has red hair. Shirley was like, uh, no, you must be mistaken, really freaked out, and then walked away. The reason she was freaked out is because years ago, uh, back in 1965, when she first got married, Chip had given Shirley a postcard that he got when he went to France. It was of Louis the Seventeenth, and he was dressed in blue and lace with red hair. That would be the last time Shirley ever had an experience that related to Donald. So even though she didn't uh, have a first contact with hmm. Donald again, it kind of resurfaced yet again. So now we're back to Louis the Seventeenth, which is really bizarre. But it could also be Donald manifesting into this character because he said he was him. Who knows? Assuming this is true. 
And who is this lady? There's a lot of assumptions here. There's a lot of assumptions. And who is this lady? Maybe she's read all the stuff. Maybe she knows. Maybe she's she's like an obsessed, crazy person. she's stoking the fire. Or maybe Donald is the ghost of a dead kid, but her parents were obsessed with making Donald dress up like like the old French king because he's like, this is cute. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know either. I can tell you one thing now. Call like I'm trying to be as open minded about this as possible. Of course. The one thing I know for sure is that she was not haunted by the ghost of a dead French king. What? That's not <laughs> happening here. This is not even remotely like, the situation. So it's really weird to think about, but it kinda is funny. Like, I'm not saying that I'm willing to accept every single detail, but I'm I'm just like, oh yeah, pants flying and 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 spontaneous burn marks or whatever and we're talking about it like we're okay with it and then we're like wait louis the 17th that's where i draw the line like it's just like the most that was well, because that there was was, there's absolutely no reason for that well there there is so i did read up more about louis the 17th because i was just curious it got crazy because there is a lot of conspiracy theories like surrounding that child's death so originally and what a lot of people might say is that he was just imprisoned and then eventually died in prison. Sure. So um, so that's probably the most likely story. Who knows? But then there's also conspiracy theories, if you want to call them that, that Louis XVII actually escaped and went to England and uh, was there, but then might have died there. I don't know. So, And then the boy that they had in prison uh, was like an imposter, but not really an imposter, someone that they put there in mm. this place i don't know because like who would want to be in jail yeah um really weird so who knows what if what if instead of louis the 17th when he found like the notes and whatnot they're like you're being haunted by the ghost of abe lincoln <laughs> this is how stupid it is well, i'm I, just trying to emphasize no this. i am understanding like the 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 craziness of it trust me i didn't need a an ex-president to feel it but that's to me they're the same level of no this is not happening oh gosh well on that note because of the whole that everything is ended i'm going to talk about more theories okay perfect just some things that came in that i started reading about she's still and alive, also on the said, podcast. Right? Shirley's still oh she's 80 80 or 81 at this point yeah all right, all right. uh one theory is the cat Yes, uh, they had a cat named Jeremy, hmm. like the actor. He oh, was. Oh, yeah. what if he? What if he was obsessed with the cat? Oh, and they just like. Oh, you mean the actor? <laughs> Wait, like, how is the cat gonna die in a car accident? <laughs> no, but he didn't say the actor was gonna die in a car accident. He said the guy's gonna die. What if he meant the cat and the cat died? Aw, I wonder if they. Maybe not, the cat was already dead. I'll have to do some more investigation, but sorry, I'm not sure. I just figured we need to probe all these avenues since if if a, if a French king Can, is a possibility, it could be a cat. It could, it could be a cat, and this is what I'm going to say because uh, this is one of Chib's observations, and in his documents, he said that the cat would often be triggered uh, about when things were about to happen or while well, they were happening, of course, but he would never run away. Like he was kind of hmm. not interacting, but just acting weird with okay. it. This is something that, of course, many people believe, that cats do have a link between the two worlds, the living and the dead, and perhaps a cat might not have been actually conjuring Donald or anything like that, but maybe using his catness to, like, he was as a, a segue. Gateway. Right, like a gateway or, like, I don't know, just involuntarily, and it's like, okay, this spirit keeps coming through me. I don't really know how it works when people talk about the cats and the spirit world, but 
That is something that Chib noted. I think it's just a bunch of people who hate cats. Aw. They want to they wanna demonize those cute little animals. I know, probably. And I, <laughs> I like to think it was a black cat, but I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, I'm a dog guy, and cats suck because they're a gateway to the undead. Yeah, they're <laughs> like the walking Ouija board. I wouldn't trust it. <laughs> um, so another thing that people kept saying is like, well, was the foundation ever inspected? Because maybe there was just something really bad with the environment that was causing a lot Ooh, of sound. pipes, like I said. Yeah, exactly. So, in fact, when a lot of these things were happening in the media during, like, the the peak of media hype and everything, the father did end up hiring a surveyor to come to that property to make sure that everything was good. I mean, they didn't want to, like, go into a sinkhole either. Sure. So, the surveyor went to their home, could not find anything wrong with it. He's like, I have no idea Mm. why this is happening. Or, like, rather, your land isn't necessarily any different than your neighbor's. Like, there's All no right. reason. Well, if that was the case, then why have they torn the building down in recent years? <laughs> if it was so good, it should still be there. I don't, I don't know. Because you said a lot of the other houses are still there. This one isn't, though. Yes, yeah, so... Then something had to have been wrong. Maybe they just were freaked out. Maybe the surveyor was bad at his job. He's like, whatever, it's fine. A lot of people are bad at their jobs. A lot of people are bad at their jobs. I mean... <laughs> I guess... Um, so here is another theory. It's called the cracking toe theory. This is when a person is able to crack their toe joints. This can also be done with your other joints, like your knees or hips or whatever. But the most popular method is to use the toes in these kind of scenarios. It's also called hammer toe. And what that means is when you can bend, when you have a bend within the joint. I don't, I don't really know. If you look it up, you know what I mean. There are a few stories of this kind of like paranormal stuff, mediums and whatnot, that have taken advantage of this skill and successfully fooled entire audiences, making them believe that that they're having spirits knocking. Uh, These sounds can be amplified and done loudly with practice. Even Harry Houdini confirmed that this illusion was used by many mediums during seances. The power of illusion causes people to self-manifest other occurrences. Mm -hmm. For example, feeling like they're being touched, even though it wasn't intentionally part of the illusion, or seeing things in low-lit rooms, because when you have candlelights, things shift. You know what I mean? The the light moves, you think things are moving. Uh, Harry Houdini was the man. He's the man. He spent so much... He was like the OG, like, disproving skeptic Mm -hmm. guy. He he made it a mission in his life to disprove all these because he he believed in entertainment and illusion oh but yeah he didn't believe in people but who... he hated that people were like no it's real and he's like i've created some of like the most insane illusions that people don't know how i've done it and i never claimed if he started claiming that it was real or like supernatural people might have believed it but he was like it's not though i'm not well, gonna tell you how but it's not and he was like a superhero it was like a personal vendetta because it had something to do with his mother and like a medium try to like prey on people's yeah. weak hearts it anyway he's he's a badass so oh yeah i plan on doing a story on him at oh some point. sweet so yeah. if he talks about the knocking toe i'm gonna be like okay this was a thing or i I'm mean giving it credit maybe i'll do a story on him but i have there have been stories that popped up that he was involved in mm. so that i'll be the way to do it right 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 okay so i'll do that at some point uh, another theory is a uh, psychosomatic disorder theory this is when both mind and body are affected at the same time due to a psychological problem and vice versa. So, for example, in some people, anxiety can cause their eczema to flare up or have stomach ulcers. 
in the reverse, an injury can cause someone to become depressed and have mental deterioration. In these instances, during a haunting, perhaps your body can literally manifest physical harm to itself that can sometimes be misconstrued as an attack from the from an outside source. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh Worrying yourself sick, that kind of stuff. Right. And so in some cases, this could have caused people to think that they can suddenly smell something or hear things, but they actually aren't. It's just, you know, really the the power of the mind. And I think most of us can really, really relate to this because I'm not even going to lie. Uh, not too long ago, I had a crazy dream. And I remember telling you about this okay. where I thought I was in my dream, I was sick. Like oh, legitima- yeah, yeah, legitimately yeah. sick, like with a fever. I had like, I was sweating. I had my throat hurt. I, my body ached. I mean, I felt really sick. And then when I woke up, it took me like a minute for me to not feel those symptoms anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, obviously I woke up sweating, which is just mean I was probably hot. It is the summer, but I was shaking when I woke up. My throat hurt. My body ached. I mean, I felt like crap. And then... And I thought I was sick for a second. And I'm like, oh, no. And then it turns out it just wore off as I woke up more and more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm literally fine. I literally made myself sick in it's my very, dream. Yeah, it's amazing what the human body can yeah, do. Yeah, and I felt those effects still lingering after I woke up. How how bizarre. I don't know. Well, and I think what you're talking about, we've kind of talked about some of this stuff on the show a little bit before. Yeah. I think it's very important to know that it's not always someone being rude or skeptical when they say maybe it's in your head. Some people are absolutely being jerks when they say that. Oh yeah. But as someone who has, I've, I've talked about like nightmares that were so vivid and real when I woke up, it took me minutes before I was able to fully come back to reality because like the dream became bled into life as as I woke up and I reacted to it and everything. And I've worried myself sick. I've been so worried something was wrong with me. I've made myself like start to have symptoms and then it wasn't, there was nothing wrong. Oh yeah. And when people look up, you know, their own symptoms online, you're just like, I guess my throat does itch a little bit. Well, that's why you you and me, we don't let, (laughs) we don't let ourselves look up symptoms. We ask each other, what are you feeling? Think about right now. Yeah. Then we look it up for each other because we don't want to put that in each other's mind. Exactly. And so I think it's important that you have to have experienced how powerful your own mind is and be aware of how powerful your own mind is to be able to acknowledge that this can be happening to people. I mean, just this think isn't about, insulting or rude. Yeah. This happens and it's a big deal. I mean, think about anxiety attacks. Sometimes, I mean, anxiety attacks, in, your body literally has nothing wrong with it technically. Yeah. But, you know, it's when you have such intense emotions and, you know, anxiety and then, body and like then your body real. reacts to it like it's real because it, it feels like it's either being attacked and needs to be worried about something. And then people have like passed out or are felt numbness mm-hmm. on their body. And you're like, geez, like, you know what I mean? That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. So so I don't know if that's what's happening yeah. in this story. But I do think it's important because some people are just like some people have been told by bad doctors it's just in your head. And that sucks. Right. But sometimes things like this could very well be caused by. Yeah. And it could be, it doesn't always have to be like a, like a disorder or something, you know, like if you have anxiety, bad anxiety, that's kind of like a lifelong thing, probably, you know, things like that. Hard stuff. So, but it can also happen in small instances. So the host, Danny Robbins, the one I talked about many times now, went under an experiment where he used a virtual reality headset that led him into a haunted house. So it's kind of like a pre-designed thing. So he wasn't like really controlling it, but it, but it made him kind of. It was, the intent was to make him scared. Do you remember what it was called? No. 
I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, so when that was done, he was taken into a real room that was recreated to look like an old 1850s lounging area uh, that he would sit in for 15 minutes alone. The room was dimly lit and silent. After it was done, he said that he thought he heard scratching and at one point noticed that the lights got darker. He also admitted feeling like there was a presence in the room and that the atmosphere kind of changed. The doctor conducting the experiment admitted that nothing was manipulated. There was no speakers playing scratching noises, nor were the lights like changed either, like they weren't dimmed. Mm. This purpose of the experiment was also to show the power of fear that causes physical occurrence or not hallucinations, but I totally really. want to do this experiment on myself. Like they have to, <laughs> no, no, no. Like I'd like well, someone. I think you'll know to, no, if no, you no, didn't no, manipulate no, the room. Li- no, no. I'd like someone to be able to. I mean, I mean, perform it to on on me. Like I'd like to submit myself to it. Oh, okay. But what they would need well, to do... Well, they would have to have a control room, like, where things were changed and then, like, ones that weren't. Or, would... or what they do is, like, they say you could hear scratches, noises, moans, everything. Said we do have some artificial ones. They are randomized. Some things may play. Some things may not play. We're not going to tell you. You're going to tell us everything that you've experienced and we'll tell you whether or not and we And that would did be that. the perfect scenario. And right. so they're like, we did one scratch at two minutes and that was it. And you're like, man, I was hearing, like, creaks and moans and like eight Always. scratches right like, there was one scratch there was and one like, scratch and all right the lights didn't change or whatever yeah it sounds like fun it sounds i think that's like an, a whole like experience i would be so freaked out but having a good time too uh yeah and then another theory is allowing yourself to believe will open your eyes to another world uh, so this one also got is your more still this in the was realm their eye-opening experience right so the idea that if you allow yourself or the ability to practice in believing, then you will able you're able to see the other world or like ghosts and spirits and all these other things. Uh, this kind of reminds me of the quarantine episode I did a long time ago. Yeah, the quarantine stories. Oh, that one was good. Yeah. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. <laughs> I can't remember the exact title. I think it was like. The islands made of bodies, or something like that, or no, that's Povelia Island. No, I'm talking about the quarantine haunting stories that I did. Do you remember? Oh, I thought you were literally talking about the island. Okay, yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, that's right, because they this had a quarantine, quarantine island. island. That's where like no, the no, quarantine... this oh, is. Oh, you mean like people's personal stories from what happened during quarantine? Yes, okay. yes. Those were also awesome. So yeah, anyway. that was also a good story. Um, all of my stories are good. I'm just well, kidding. Of course. <laughs> um, no, no, no. So we've just done so many. When I remember them, I'm like, oh. I know. Um, Yeah, definitely. And in that story, I did talk about how people didn't even know their house was haunted or anything until they started to have to stay there. Do you know what I mean? Like, so people weren't aware that maybe residual hauntings were occurring at certain times of the day because they weren't there. They were at work or like whatever. So it's kind of like now you're seeing it because you're alone and... Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. So who knows? And I think that's basically my last theory. There was quite a few other ones that I read, but these were my favorite. And truly, if you really want to know more about it, I recommend, again, the podcast. It goes in depth. And if you have any questions, I'm sure they'll answer it. So I am actually curious now to look into this podcast. Now that you've told me the story, I feel yeah. comfortable like I can look into it without ruining anything. Oh, yeah. I want to learn more about it because at this moment... And not to sound like a stick in the mud, 
I'm definitely leaning towards mostly not true. Okay. And I think my reasoning is because it's just too much. It is a, it is a lot. And then the and, podcast and, and, does a good job of explaining and going in and out of belief and disbelief, too. It's really well of, done. And a lot of the too much is extreme too much. It's too much. Too and much. Some of it's really starting to sound like a fabrication. And I'm not sure to what end. It is pretty uh, insane, indeed. And... Uh, in fact, I mean, like, it is kind of crazy, but at the same time, aside from those 12 years, and not even the whole 12 years, really only that first year, did anyone really pay attention to Shirley, as far as, like, for attention? And they didn't even ask for money. If you remember in the first episode, I said they weren't willing to, like, do all these interviews, they weren't wanting to, like, get anything from anyone, they were just really concerned about their well-being because, one, it just started happening when they first started getting the hype. But anyway, like, they were really resistant to it. In fact, uh, Shirley really didn't talk about it until 2013 when she wrote a book. So, and even then, and obviously with another author, so, like, it was her and someone Mm -hmm. else to help her write it. And uh, she was very nervous, she said, to even start talking about it because on purpose she never did because she was so worried that Donald would come back. Mm. Yeah. And since the Battersea podcast, uh, Shirley has been more open talking about it since because now she's like, there's no going back. Like everyone's talking about it. Well, not everyone, but, you know, people are talking about it again. She's getting more attention. So she has been on more interviews now on TV. Has Donald come back? He has not come back. But it's kind of cute because she's like really old now and she's like 80 or whatever. And she's like, I am scared if he does come back. But, you know. I'm old now, so or something like that. I don't know. She's just like, whatever. I don't care anymore. Um, also, just like a really weird, like, in the works kind of thing. Bloomhouse now has the rights to the story, and they're going to be have the rights to like every. They have the rights to everything, right yeah. Uh, and they will be developing a series. It looks like okay. based on it, yeah. So in the it future, seems long enough that this could be a series. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. It's definitely going to be okay. So I covered most of it. I feel, but not everything and not as in depth of course as i'm sure what the miniseries is going to do and you know if it's a miniseries it's going to be like taking its own liberties as well i think unless they're going to really do it like documentary style i'm not sure so what do you think of it i don't know you gave all the research but are you like i think there's something here i believe most of it i believe some of it i don't know i definitely i think i definitely believe some of it so here's the thing i was the one who had to read as much as I could of it. So and you got I, all the deets. And I listened to the whole entire podcast miniseries. And I saw interviews with Shirley, you know, the most more recent ones and all that stuff. And any article clippings that I was able to find and things like that. So I really got myself enveloped into it. And there's no denying that some of the facts that would surface. And I'm like, truly, this would have had to have been the most elaborate Hoax. Hoax that the entire family. Yeah, 12 years, that's a that's a long one, especially people right. paying attention to And it. I think the whole family had to be involved for what they mm. had to accomplish. Like, it mm. could not, I'm sorry, I don't think it could have been this one 15-year-old girl conducting everything. Um, so, I don't know. But I don't, I don't think everything was true, probably. And also, if you know, uh, I think I mentioned this a long time ago, but poltergeists tend to lie. So, him saying he's Louis the 17th, that's true. Is whatever. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. That's fair to say. I will admit, over 12 years, that's a long time. It yeah. would be an elaborate hoax. There's one thing that stuck with me. Okay. It's the part that messed me up the most is 
when she, when they went in to um, Shirley's bedroom. Oh yeah. And they removed the blanket from her, and she was levitating above the bed. Yep. It's a good moment. It's a scary <laughs> moment. It's very visual. It's very real. That How do you was, feel about that moment specifically? Because that's the uh, one that so, sticks with me. So the one of the not I don't want to say theories because this is an a, a encompassing theory, but what uh, a skeptic would say or has said is they think maybe she's just having a seizure, and she was uh, arching, making it look like she was levitating. And people are just bad at describing what they saw. And maybe, but like, I don't know, man. I think I can tell the difference if someone's literally not touching the bed and just having their back arched. And see, I think one of the reasons people like to use the seizure explanation, mm-hmm. and I get it, it's an it's a alluring explanation, is because if she had a seizure and it looked like she was levitating to people who mm-hmm. maybe don't know any better, it also explains why a lot of weird things could be happening because she's like, there's something, some chemical imbalance, or something's going wrong in her brain, yeah. and she's hearing and things or seeing things that aren't happening. Like, people like it because it catches a lot of explanation without right. it being supernatural. Yeah, exactly. I think, like, I think the seizure thing is kind of weird. She never mentions that she ever had seizures. No one ever mentions she had seizures. People that were trying to debunk her never mentioned seeing any seizures. So if she had a seizure, it would have been like, like the one time, the one time or whatever. Because yeah. like that's like, out what? of out of thin air, like just the like you know what I mean. No, there's no evidence suggesting she was ever having seizures. So it's just kind of a BS. Yeah. Blanket kind of theory. like oh it's just another seizure you're like but there are no there's no cases of yeah, her I mean, having it. I'd rather take the explanation of it was a lie and it didn't happen. Yeah, I would believe. Yeah. It was it was, a, it was an arch or a seizure or something. Maybe it was just like a uh ball lightning. Oh, like, it's <laughs> totally ball lightning. <laughs> the theory everyone likes to Or maybe her cat was underneath her and doing a power lift. Oh yeah. And the totally. cat was like dark so they couldn't see in the shadow <laughs> and they're just like she's floating but the cat's like It was the cat. Check this out bitches. Oh my gosh, and the cat was like writing on the walls totally. <laughs> I, I get it. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> All right, well, this was an amazing story, super long. You're welcome. I'm, and I hope the second half was entertainment enough. And I'm, I am I don't always know if the two-parters are worth doing or not, but this one was very particularly um, intense or, like, heavy in information. And we sometimes rarely... Sometimes you got to break it up. Right, and we rarely get that as much. Sometimes we're like, we don't know why that happened, but we're going to have to accept this. And well, this one had a lot of reasons or like twists and turns and information that people found and et cetera. I don't well, know. And the alternative is either cut out so much stuff to get it into an episode or have a really long episode. Right. And I think a two-parter is the best way to get all the information, but also not give someone like a five-hour episode. Um, well, I loved it. That was good. That was one of good. the more intense stories that you've done. Hey, hey, hey. Good. Okay, so now that I'm done, and again, I've been talking for so long, I'm going to need a drink, and we're going to take a little break, so we'll see you guys in a bit. Okay, so we are back, we have our drinks, and Chase looks like has a story for us. That's right, so... Uh, last week, I talked about the Green Lady of Hawaii, a ghost with more than a few similarities to La Llorona. <laughs> yes. Um, it was a good story. And so sure. keeping in line with your two-parter story, I decided I was going to stick with Hawaii and tell Ooh. another Hawaii story. This next one, I'm just going to say this one is actually kind of a big deal. I'd never heard of it. Mm. It's actually something a lot of people in Hawaii, this is an important thing to them. Okay. So I'm hoping I'm hoping I do it justice. 
Yeah, I'm hoping I, I just do it right. Okay. So um, it's about a, a Hawaiian creature, mythic Hawaiian creature seems to be the best way to describe it. You might call it a cryptid. I'm Ooh. not sure. You have to. Okay. I'm still confused about what cryptids are. So you're going to. I think sometimes that bleeds through as well with other things. So. so maybe at the end we'll decide if this one's a cryptid. Okay. I'm going to tell you about the mo'o, which is mo'o? the mo'o. So okay. it's M-O apostrophe O, but according to what I read online, it's mo'o. Like mo'o. Oh, cool. Okay. Slight break in between them. The it's like mo- uh-oh, but like mo'o. <laughs> the mo'o are shape-shifting spirits that most often take the form of lizards. Even though mm. they are most often seen or presented as lizards, they can also take the form of large dragon-like lizards or even the form of people. They're not always, you know, reptiles. Oh, okay. Depending on who you ask or what legends you read, they are described as deities, water guardians, or Almakua, which are family gods, They're like gods oh, for individual families. That's cool. In this respect, they represent a type of lineage. So, in fact, the words for story and genealogy in Hawaiian start with mo'o. Oh. And they are, and I hope I pronounce these correctly, mo'o lelo, so mo'o lelo, and mo'o kuahau. And so those are the words for story and genealogy. So Mm -hmm. this word is intertwined. It's all the relative nature of these things. Sometimes they are said to have control over the weather, these lizards, these spirits. Mm. When appeased, they can bring water and ensure that the harvest is successful. And if angry, they can cause fierce waves or even windstorms that can cause people to fall off cliffs to their deaths, lose their way on trails, and even (laughs) cause them to drown in pits of goo. I swear they said pits of goo. (laughs) Where Which, are they finding these bits right. of goo? Well, we, remember when we watched uh, Surf's Up? I mean, it's totally a fictional movie about surfing penguins. <laughs> like, uh. But they went into caves filled with goo. So maybe there's caves of goo. We just don't oh, know about like, it. Oh, maybe like, oh, don't like silkworms drip goo or something? That's definitely out of my area of knowledge. So I wouldn't, to, I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to agree this? or refute that. <laughs> I don't Maybe I made it up. I don't know. So... Some of the Mo'o are considered evil, but most protect those that worship them or members of the family to which they are associated. Over the years, Mo'o have become synonymous with images of power and are often represented in physical totems that blend ancestral lineages with reptile forms. Wow. Which kind of sounds a little like some of the tiki stuff we've seen and everything yeah. like that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Is we're totally in line with Tropical Tears. I didn't do my little intro thing, but Tropical Tears. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, they are believed to dwell in ponds, cave pools, and other freshwater sources throughout Hawaii. Mm. When I say this, I mean people believe this today. You know, kind of right. like the you don't take lava rock because you'll get bad luck. These are things yes. that this is something a lot of people take very seriously. Okay. And so, so this is something that demands respect. But anyway, many of them, at least at one time, had stone markers that depicted the specific mo'o that lived in that body of water. And you can see them today. Sometimes there will be ponds or mm-hmm. things, and there's a stone with markings, and that marking That's is saying, this is the mo'o that lives here that <gasps> protects this That's water. That's so weird. It is said that people should put an item like a flower or a branch into the water before they get in. Oh, if gosh. the mo'o wants to be left alone, it will allegedly carry the item away rather intently. Like, you will you put it in the water and it'll just move away from you rapidly. Like shoot off or something. Exactly. In such cases, it is best for people not to enter the water. 
If the water <laughs> remains peaceful after the item is put in and the item's relatively undisturbed, then it is safe to enter the water. Cool. Because people don't want to die. Like just... you could die. You could drown in the water. Or maybe the water turns to goo or something. Maybe I'll just try to put one in on a non windy day to ensure. Because I mean like I'll get confused. I'm like, well, is that the wind or is the mo mad at me? I mean, we don't have that here because there's like no bodies of water. <laughs> no, here. I just meant like if we're ever in Hawaii. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Not here, obviously. I don't see us going to random pools of water and swimming though. And also, I just don't go in bodies of water in general. So oh, that's true. You're you're not you're not into swimming that much. <laughs> no. Um, Hawaiian historian Samuel Kamakau describes the mo'o in the uh, 1800s, or he did describe the mo'o in the 1800s. Mm. He stated that during certain rituals, fires would be lit on altars near the homes of the mo'o. When the mo'o appeared, they were 12 to 30 feet long, pitch Dang. black and still wet from the water to which they came. He also stated that if they are given some ava, quote, they would turn from side to side like the keel of a canoe, end quote. Now, ava <laughs> is the name for a type of kava. What? <laughs> so if you don't know what kava is, it's a drink made from the root of a plant and allegedly it has an elating and calming side effect. Yeah. It doesn't have alcohol in it. You and me actually tried yeah. kava not too long ago. Right. Uh, some of our friends from Colorado, they brought some down and they said, you know, chug it. They said, don't smell it. Don't linger it. It tastes terrible, but it's supposed to make you feel good. It was the. It was one of the worst it tasting It just tastes things. like dirt. I don't know how to explain it. Well, um, And my tongue hurt. I didn't feel anything. Yeah, well, I didn't feel anything either, except my tongue hurting. And and I don't mean like I didn't even feel my tongue. I don't mean like a soreness. I mean like well, it was just it was supposed to be it was numbness. A stinging to me, it was like a sting. Weird. I didn't even feel the numbness. I had no idea what they were talking about. And yeah. then we wouldn't want to finish it. And then one of our friends who I brought it down. Mine. Well, I didn't finish mine. <laughs> the friend who brought it down, he finished mine, and then some. And he, it definitely had an effect on him, which that was is, pretty cool. Yeah, I've never. I, I mean, I guess I didn't drink enough, but I had a whole cup, and that was supposed to be enough. But whatever. So according to this historian, when these giant lizards came, you were supposed to give them your drugs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Feed them some of this, and and they apparently would just be like, heck yeah, this is really good. I'm going to dress up as a mo'o and be like, you need to give me your rum. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Don't do it in Hawaii, because that might oh, mean no, you're going to get like, cursed, and you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, I don't want to get cursed, so maybe I won't. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to drown. That would be <laughs> the worst way for Lily to go is drowning. <laughs> Oh, my God. So apparently, even today, some fishermen in Hawaii will call upon Kalamainu'u, which is a mo'o spirit, to help them fish. Mm. So this modern uh, fisherman do it today. Allegedly, this mo'o married a chief to whom she fell in love with while he was out surfing. Mm. How Hawaiian does that sound? That is a there was, like, the chief was totally out surfing, and the god's like, you're I like hot. this. I want this. <laughs> so she married him but hid her true identity as a mo'o. Soon after, the mo'o's cousins, who were upset for some reason, I could not find out why they were mad. I Maybe mean, they probably because she married a human. Rockin' hot surfer. But, oh, so jealousy. I thought it was just because they were not of my species. And maybe that's what it is, too. But yeah. I like the idea that he was just super fine. Yeah. And, she, and they're like, not, not happening. <laughs> so they revealed that she was a mo'o to the people. Afterwards, they turned themselves into fish to flee and mm. disappeared into the ocean. Out of revenge, the mo'o, 
captured her cousins with a fish trap. Allegedly, to this day, if you call out to her, she will help you fill your nets with fish as well. Aw, well, So this nice. is something that apparently uh, some fishermen do today, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. The death of a mo'o is also a big deal. It is said that when a mo'o dies, its body will petrify or turn into stone and permanently become part of the land. Oh, cool. In fact, many features of the Hawaiian landscape are believed to be the former bodies of mo'o. And these uh... are huge parts of the landscape. This includes the Molokini Crater, the Pu'u Olau Cinder Cone, and even a giant lizard outline can be seen in Camelo Ridge. That's cool. It's kind of like the troll thing, where people exactly. believe a lot of the giant boulders used to be trolls or something like that. Yeah. So there's a whole thing to this. This is a big deal, and a lot of people, they have their family lineage related to them, but the idea is that there are these water spirits mm -hmm. that protect the water and live in the water, and they can be mean. Yeah. You, if you're rude, you could die. And if you're kind uh, and, and nice and they like you, maybe they protect you or they help you sure. out. And there's so many of these beliefs in Hawaii that have to do with bad luck or danger and respect, which makes sense Very when you talk about family lineage. Specifically to like tell the land and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, they're all about like land preservation and stuff. So that makes sense. I just found the most terrifying part, the idea that, like, if I wanted to go swimming, the idea is look for a stone marker because there could be a little lizard god living yeah. in there and you don't <laughs> want to piss it off because he might kill you. Like, most people are like, oh, man, I hope there's not an alligator in there. But what if it's something more supernatural, supernatural or like, that yeah. wants to kill you? It's one of those things. So believe man. it or not. I'm not going to, like, touch anything when I go to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, because they're full of this stuff. And, and so... I can be very skeptical, so it's a believe it or not thing. That's totally cool. I think it's a great story. It's scary stuff. Like, these ideas are scary. But if there's one thing I can't deny is that I do have a tendency to build superstitions, even oh, yeah. though I consider myself a skeptic. Right. And it's weird because you consider those you hate, contradictory. Yeah, good luck, bad luck things are like, don't. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I more associate those with my severe obsessive compulsive disorder tendencies which are right self-destructive right um and you've helped me fix a lot of those there's so many superstitious things you've made me get rid of which is so great because <laughs> it makes my life easier to not have them i'm like i'm not doing this <laughs> but i do realize i have a superstitious tendency so yeah. hawaii to me is if you have superstitions just, this is the worst place you could be i'll because put so you much... in a bubble and we'll go giant chase bubble and a giant chase bubble yeah but anyway that was just a little bit more of Hawaii's Tropical Terror. Yay! I like that one. That was a cute story and also slightly, you know, scary because you're like, I feel like I need to read up on all the things that can go wrong by me just existing in Hawaii. Like, I'll do something and totally anger God. I'm like, dang it. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to, like, eat pineapple at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> like, who knows? Well, and what I like about these tropical stories is a lot of them are actually learning about cultural beliefs and values of a different people mm -hmm. which i really enjoy because it allows me to contextualize how sometimes i should just look at some of our cultural views of supernatural and scary stuff it allows me to kind of just quantify it better put it all together mm -hmm. and understand it better because i realize you know everyone has these thoughts and beliefs with different things and they might be manifesting or representing something actual or it's just part of the human which kind of makes sense like you know a lot of things come from something like 
Yeah. When we were talking about like La Llorona, it's because we don't want kids going into the river at night. And maybe with like the whole putting a branch or a like a flower in a body of water and it had some sort of bad, violent reaction, that might mean that there's... Dangerous water. The dangerous water. There's Something's waves are bad. Something's in it or it's maybe moving too fast. other predators. Yeah, there's like a, a weird current that'll, that'll sweep you out. Um... Yeah, I mean, these are really just good behaviors to have, you know what I mean? Like, if you see something kind of sketchy. You don't want your kid to drown in water, so right. it's like, respect the water. Exactly. Respect the land, because it will kill you if you yeah. don't. Um, yeah, definitely. So, good times. I hope you guys enjoyed the story. Yeah. The stories. Yeah. I think that brings the episode to yeah, a close I, I for this week. Yeah, I think we're done, for sure. Um, I got to tell you guys, we have some very exciting stories up and coming. Oh some my gosh. big doozies. Uh, I can't tell you when they're coming because we're still trying to figure out the order of things. But I got to tell you one of the most exciting stories that I've ever known about. I've known about it for years, but I'm researching for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's coming. It's going to be so good. Yes. And you've been telling me you got something exciting. We can't tell each other what they are. Right. Because we want to surprise each other. (laughs) We want to be a little better about it. Yeah. Also, if you guys have any suggestions, get in contact with us on social media. We also have a website. I'm sorry, not a website. I wish we had a website. Our email address, which is hotwpodcast at gmail.com. But even if you don't have any suggestions for us, we'd love to hear from you. And we want to thank you above all for joining us today. If you're having a drink, cheers to you. And if you're listening to this episode while you're hungover, just remember the best care for a hangover is fear. Bye. See ya.